Let's close out May by taking a look at the free agency landscape. Why the summer is going to be a weird one. A weird free agency class, not the greatest. Lots of teams going to be itching to make trades for various reasons and how the Pacers' involvement could matter, plus the CBA's impact on all of it. It's all coming today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, the audio quality is back. The setup is back. I am back from Alaska in the lower 48 again, as they call it, up there. Excited to talk about the free agency landscape this upcoming summer. June, we're going to be talking about free agency a lot, at least two episodes per week, maybe three, some weeks leading up to it. And I wanted to set the scene for what this summer is going to look like a little in the NBA and how the Pacers are involved in all of it because it's a funky free agency class. There probably is going to be a lot of trades for a number of reasons. And that is kind of how the league is trending anyway, and what that landscape looks like influences a lot of what's going to be available to every team, Pacers included. And I think that's a good way to set the scene for every position, for every team, all sorts of stuff. If you're looking for draft content yesterday, talked about Cam Whitmore. Later this week, talking about Grady Dick. Talked about the Thompson Twins last week. Lots of stuff for you there. Uh, Monday, we talked about contract extensions. There's something for everybody at Locked On Pacers recently. But today, let's start by talking about this free agency class. And that's kind of where I think the crux of this summer's discussion starts. And that's that this class is not that great, right? It's been kind of covered. And it's not fair to say it's not great because that usually just means the best of it isn't great. The same is true for the draft, right? People who say this is a good or bad draft class, they're usually just talking about the top of it. The middle quality of most years is roughly similar, but if the third best free agent is much worse than a typical year, that means the 10th best free agent is better or worse than a typical year. And that trickle-down effect matters even if in the aggregate the middle 10 to 25 players are roughly the same in impact every year. This summer is not a great free agency class, both because of the players available and because a lot of the actually impactful change league landscape level switching teams players are in situations where it very much behooves their old team to keep them instead of losing them for nothing. Typically a good place to start when looking at the best available players is salary from the season before, right? The best players get paid the most. Well, here are the top, and I'll just read through the guys that I can see on my tiny tab, Players from salary last year who are free agents this summer. Russell Westbrook, no longer that great of a player. James Harden, seems like he's picking between two teams. He actually is very good. Chris Middleton, actually good, though on the wrong side of 30, and seemingly likely to me to stay in Milwaukee. But we'll talk about the Bucks. They're going to be a, a common team today. Kyrie Irving, uh, good player, but some baggage there. Chris Tapsporzingis, he's good, not quite an all-star. D'Angelo Russell, eh, meh. Kevin Love, meh. Nikola Vucevic, meh. Draymond Green, good player. Seems likely again that it's a Golden State or bust kind of thing. Fred Van Vliet, maybe the best player who switches teams. Maybe. I mean, maybe Middleton. And then after that, it's like Harrison Barnes, Jeremy Grant, Karis Levert. We're talking like solid starters, but not amazing players. And there's better players if you scroll farther down through the salary list. Kyle Kuzma's in there. Like he's He had a really good year this past season. Bruce Brown had a really good year. He's way down there, right? Like it's not perfect science to do it based on salary, but it does kind of tell you, like, if you need a dude, 
you're going to have to trade for him. And that's sort of what the NBA has become, right? A, a, a ripple effect of player empowerment being a thing to the extent that you believe player empowerment is a thing. The, that becoming a thing where players are more powerful enforcing trades and more public about it and all sorts of stuff like that if they're dissatisfied with the situation they get traded more and teams are more conscious of the fact that superstars may be unhappy or less willing to sign a contract before the end of their deal and thus they get traded to a situation they like more they sign an extension right there's just a lot less like oh my gosh this very good player could become available to a new team. Like Malcolm Brogdon choosing the Pacers. Yes, it was a sign and trade for you people who wanted to immediately reply with that, but he still had to choose the Pacers. That's a big deal. So uh, that good of a player switching teams as a free agent, it's a big deal. Jalen Brunson completely switching teams last summer devastated the Mavs. That's a huge deal, especially in the con- in the modern NBA landscape. Like he was an all-star level player this year. That is super rare. And so not only is it more rare that player movement happens that way these days because of the way free agencies changed, right? More teams operate over the cap now because the soft cap makes that possible. Although we'll talk about the CBA in the third segment. Player empowerment has made trades happen before contracts expire more often. All sorts of factors are at play. Free agency has just become less of a tool already, right? It's very rare that a 20 million plus per year kind of level of talent just happens to wiggle free. This year also stacks onto that a not amazing free agency group. There's good players in there. There's former all-stars at the top. There is every year. But this year's top of the top guys are all either flawed or at the wrong side of an age curve or are obviously going to you know, re-sign with their team or at least be influenced by their contract situation in a way that makes it a weaker free agency class. And so to tie this to the Pacers, this is the Pacers podcast after all. And this is kind of true for a lot of teams that might be wanting to make a jump-ish using their whatever, salary cap space, assets, whatever. There's not a lot of like slam dunk, this is how we're going to improve our team signing options. If you were on YouTube watching this, you'll see I put Chris Middleton in the thumbnail. I, I guess, I mean, not even from a Pacers perspective necessarily, but I, I guess he could switch teams. I, I don't think he should. I think the Bucks should just give him whatever it takes to keep him if he opts out. He might even just opt in. He has a player option. But it's like that's the best case scenario. For some teams looking to make a splashy signing, and even that's just like, well, you're paying a ton of money for a guy who's 32. Like, I don't know that the Pacers should or shouldn't do that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, that is the quality of player that's like the dream team switch type to me. There's some young restricted guys that are always going to be interesting, and part of the discussion, as they were last year for the Pacers at least, with DeAndre Ayton, right? That happens every summer as well. Rui Achimura is a free agent. I suppose he had a good enough playoffs that people are, are interested in what that could look like now, and there'll be other young, interesting talents available. As Again, there are every summer, but the top of the top is not as good as usual. And so if you're a cap space team like the Pacers, you're going to have to get creative with how to use it, whether that's via trades, via renegotiations, via whatever that may be, extension, signing these middle-class players. That's fine, but as you look at the free agency landscape for the league, it seems like there's not going to be a lot of high-end talent that just straight-up changes teams via a signing that could happen not so long from now as this new cba kind of kicks into gear and forces teams to really evaluate their finances but westbrook is not that expensive a player anymore harden it seems like there's only two options middleton it seems like it's bucks or bust if you're the bucks at least kyrie irving uh, i don't freaking know i'm just gonna shrug on that one (laughs) but in, in lakers mavs i guess that's it porzingis i mean why would the wizards let him go they can't replace him with because they're way over the cap 
D'Angelo Russell's not that he's fine. He's fine. Kevin Love is just is on a minimum salary right now. Like he's 35. Vucevic is maybe a good player who could switch teams. Like it, Van Vliet is maybe a league changing level of talent, but the Raptors don't want to lose him for nothing. Like there's just not a lot of movement looking at the top and not a lot of great fits for the Pacers either. That make a lot of sense between their age, their timeline, what they want to get paid, what they should get paid, especially because big money's coming for Tyrese Halbert in the next two seasons. So if you're thinking about the Pacers this summer and what they could do, trades seem way more likely than free agency because of the landscape of the league, because of the guys actually available, because of what the situation is. That's just what makes sense. That's just kind of how teams are trending and how they kind of think about uh, building now. They don't want to lose these guys for nothing. I mean, if, if Spotrack is so nice that they do this new thing where they let you sort players by like quality, all-star, starter, whatever, there's not that many all-stars even available. The The group, the whole group is some of the guys I just named. The only one I haven't said yet is Brooke Lopez. Pacers not going to be tripping all over themselves to sign Brooke Lopez. So free agency, yeah, players are going to switch teams. Signings are going to happen. The league landscape will change. But I don't think free agency is going to cause the seismic changes this summer. I think the trades will. And that has been the case for a while now in the NBA for some reasons I've already said, but also because of some other stuff. We'll get to that in the second segment and how it could impact the Indiana Pacers because this is a Pacers podcast after all. But before we do that, I have to talk to you guys about FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And it's currently the NBA playoffs. And right now, you can make a fast break to FanDuel during the playoffs. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, hop on over to FanDuel. They've got great promotions every day. They have a safe and secure app. You can get paid instantly on FanDuel. There's no better place to bet on all the NBA Finals action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, hop on over to Lockdown Heat. It's now official. The Miami Heat are headed to the finals. We're going to talk about the finals teams tomorrow here on Lockdown Pacers. What can the Pacers learn from the Nuggets and the Heat and what's going on and what has happened in this postseason and a little bit of love for my IU guys who are all in the finals. Uh, but Lockdown Heat, David Ramil and Wes Goldberg will take you behind the scenes of the Celtics losing that game, the Heat getting it done, Caleb Martin, Jimmy Butler, and... Those guys are going to Denver. So they've got a lot to say. I can't wait for that series. It's going to be awesome. From the Pacers' perspective, we just talked about why this free agency is kind of whimpery compared to, maybe not compared to normal. Normal's changing in the NBA all the time. But the, it's going to be the summer summers of trade. Zach Lowe kind of discussed this on the low post, but I think there's a lot of reasons that you, you should expect in the next, let's see, it's May 31st, so through the end of next August, 14 months, you're going to see a ton of trades in the NBA. I think that. That is a, a guess, a prediction. Not because of that, like, not because of any one specific thing. I was trying to think of the perfect way to say that. But because of several million things. The way I want to start this, though, is now that the finals are settled, right? It's not like the Denver Nuggets or Miami Heat, although Miami, we'll get to them. Um, are going to be making wholesale changes. They just made the finals. They know they've got good infrastructure in place. But now that every other team's fate is sealed this season, 
it's easier to talk about what the tra- trade excuse me, landscape could look like in a weird playoff year. That is where I would like to start talking about the trade landscape because I was tweeting about this uh, right after the finals matchup was determined. Like, if Denver's path to the finals is beat eight seed, four seed, seven seed, eight seed. That's weird. <laughs> That's really weird. The Heat are an eight seed. That means the East was weird. And lots of upsets, if you will, happened in this postseason from a seeding perspective. A lot of teams fell short of what their goals would be in a weird playoffs. And that is usually something that kickstarts change for a lot of teams. For example, we already talked about Chris Middleton in the first segment, but what's Milwaukee going to look like next year? They already changed coaches. Adrian Griffin has been hired. Check out Locked On Bucks for more on that. Um, I should have maybe made them a second listen here. They change coaches. Maybe that's all they do. Maybe that's their big change, but they're an expensive team. We'll talk about them in the third segment, certainly among many teams. What are they going to do? How can they get better? What is their move? Trading seems likely because they don't have the resources to actually sign anybody, but what is the trade? Do they strip stuff down? Do they go for vets on another team, right? They could be a team to make changes. The Boston Celtics just lost in Game 7. The one game from the finals two years in a row. They don't seem like a team that needs to make changes to me. But a lot of people who cover the Celtics seem to think maybe that team does need to make some tweaks. And they are also about to run into some tough financial realities. We'll see what happens with them. But are they going to be a team that has to make changes in a couple years? We'll see. The 76ers. Oh, man. Nick Nurse, great hire, I think, for them. Um, What is going to happen if they lose James Harden? Which reporting suggests seems sort of likely. Are they going to have to make trades to fill the void he leaves? How are they going to do that? They have outbound picks they sent to get him. Can they make him a sign-and-trade? That's going to be crazy. That's three teams in the East that seem like changes could be on the horizon either this summer or next summer, right? If you're the Pacers and you have salary cap space and you have assets galore to help these trades nudge along, how can you get involved? How can you steal stuff? Is there a good Bucks player who might just happen to be available in a big trade? They just did this with the Bucks. The Bucks got Jay Crowder. The Pacers got Wara. They were happy with that. Maybe it's that small. Maybe it's way bigger. Maybe it's someone much better than that, of course. But these are the teams you could look at for trade fits. That's just the top of the East, right? And like, there's several guys on the Sixers that you could say, oh, their salary flotsam is important if they make a bigger deal. Tobias Harris, if the Sixers need to clear salary, they're going to have to trade Tobias Harris. It's just how it is, right? Pacers kind of need exactly what he offers. I'm not saying that's a trade they should or shouldn't do. I'm just providing that as an example. Boston's a little trick here. All their pieces are pretty important, but you know, th- those three teams could all be in line for some sort of shakeup. Not, not saying tear down, not saying build up, a shakeup. I'm very careful with my terminology because I am. I don't want to just be like, oh, they lost. They should do this. They could do this. That could benefit the Pacers in this way. Like, no, that's just making stuff up. But they could be interested in. It makes sense that they could be interested in changing things. The Nets, I don't know. When I was at the draft combine, a couple people I was talking to were like, what are the Nets going to do? They're a confusing team to me. They just got swept in the first round, but they clearly have a direction now after the KD trade. Are how are they going to be operating and trading? They have two first round picks and a really interesting young core. They look like they're going to be a trade team. The Clippers are always interesting. Toronto, they fell short. What are they going to do now? They have a new head coach eventually. Still TBD there. The Wizards have a new president. What are they going to do? How are they going to get out of the mess that their salary situation has them in? What are the Bulls going to do? They just didn't make the playoffs after acquiring a bunch of stuff. Dallas and Portland, same thing, falling short. Like There's a lot of teams, a lot of teams this past season. Just the teams I just said in a lengthy chat 
That was 10 teams that probably think they fell short of what they should have done this past season. And many of them you can easily point, you know, the Bucks, the Sixers, uh, the Raptors, the Wizards. That's four teams that made a decision maker change already because they realized they fell short. Dallas already made a big trade. The Nets already made a big trade very recently, right? Over half those teams are facing a new reality already, right? Clearly, they're going to have to continue to advance in their new realities. All this to say, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of teams. That's just 10 that I compared to expectations. That's not even counting teams like, for example, Orlando, who are going to want to be better next season, or the Pacers, who want to be better next season. All these teams that have new goals that are looking at this changing landscape of the league and going, oh, this free agency class kind of stinks. I think trades are coming in some sort of way just just because of how many teams are in kind of weird spots of change, right? I wouldn't say there's ever stasis in the NBA anymore, but it felt like the last two years there's a little bit more continuity between some of these teams. I don't think that's going to be the case as much next year. I, mean, I just named a third of the league that it, it's over half of the teams I said have already made significant changes since February, right? I'm, I'm sure I missed one too for one of those teams. Like, Oh, yeah, Philly made a coaching change. So seven of them. Like, it, you know, the, all this stuff is changing so fast. Trades seem like they're going to be a part of this discussion. So many teams seem like they're going to want to make moves. This doesn't even get to the CBA part of this, which we'll close out with. So all of this to say, if you're the Pacers, who, again, I said this earlier when I was talking about the Bucks, who are sitting there with cap space, who knows how much. I did a show on it last week, but it depends on what happens in the draft. Somewhere in the high 20s in millions, potentially. They have assets galore, five picks in this draft, some interesting young players who may not fit exactly what their plans are, extra picks in the future, great situation. They have an all-star that players would want to theoretically play with and sign on for longer for. They just seem like a team that could be involved in whatever these shifts are, right? Does that mean they get someone good who becomes available from one of those 10 teams I just said? Does that mean they help another team straighten out their salary situation and get compensated for doing so? Or do they just get a good player because of the new CBA rules? That is what we're going to close with. But that's another factor in this. And for some of these teams I just said, they're going to be hit hard by this new apron stuff. Like there's going to be a lot of trades because a lot of teams, I think, need to change their situation and because they have to, right? The, the new CBA is perhaps the biggest part of this. I'm writing about this for Forbes for the Pacers specifically, but every team's impacted by this in a very unique way that I want to close out with. And I think Zach Lowe talked about this and I want to talk about it and how the Pacers are impacted by it and why it could influence trades to close out today's show. Thank you as always for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Two new coaches, like I said, Adrian Griffin in Milwaukee, Nick Nurse in Philly. Make those your second listens today. The coaching carousel continues to spin pistons. Suns still not filled. I'm missing one. Toronto still not filled. We'll see what happens in those markets. Listen to those shows, too, if you want to hear what's going on with those coaching searches. The CBA is perhaps the revised CBA. The biggest part of why trade mayhem could be coming. The weak free agency class certainly will be a factor. The weirdness of this playoffs and lots of teams falling short of expectations because the Lakers upset them or the Heat upset them or a million things happened in this postseason could also change things. But the CBA is going to force some stuff. I've talked about it a little bit and you maybe heard it somewhere else, but if you haven't, the new NBA Collective Bargaining Agreement has two new things above the luxury tax. 
that are prohibitive for transactions. They don't prevent spending. The NBA still has a soft cap. There's no hard cap. But this is as close as you can get. They're called the first and second apron, and they are. The first apron is about $7 million above the tax line. The second apron is about $17.5 million above the tax line. The tax this coming season about $163 million. If you're above the first apron, you can't sign bio players who made more in the MLE before they were bought out. Your trade rules are more restrictive. Your trade traded player exception rules are more restrictive. If you go above the second apron, you don't get your tax MLE anymore. You can't aggregate salaries and trade. You can't trade cash. Sign and trades are impossible. And your pick freezes seven years out. You cannot trade that one until you're under the second apron for so many years in a row. And because of the step-in rule, then you can't trade other picks around that. Like, it's crazy how much these restrict teams and transactions if you exceed these aprons. There are some situations where it's worth that Boston might be one, Golden State might be one, but it's really interesting how this is going to impact teams. It's not a hard cap. Again, it's not. You can go over it, but it's close because of how prohibitive it is. And so if you're an expensive NBA basketball team, you might have to uh, shed some money in the coming seasons, especially if you're already sniffing maybe these the luxury tax line before you make some signings this summer. And this is where the discussion gets really interesting. If you are a presently cheap team, you have to be happy with the, these aprons in a way that you could benefit from teams being not forced. Again, they're allowed to exceed the second apron, but you know, encouraged to dip their salary a little lower. They're so restrictive that trades will be coming will be coming at some point. This is what Zach Lowe, like I mentioned earlier, his the big argument for him was was that he's kind of hearing chatter from around the league that like these aprons are going to force teams to get their finances in order in a way that there's going to be a lot of player movement it, while it kind of all gets implemented in the next 12 to 14 months. The CBA is not fully rolled out all at once. That's why I say slowly. So the really expensive teams get ready to see them Figure out how to get around this stuff. Golden State, maybe they just roll with it. Although, as I speak to you, maybe I should have made them your second listen. The NBA is crazy these days. Bob Byers, one of their captains of their build, a masterful negotiator and player relations man at the head of their front office, stepping away from the Warriors. What's going to happen in Golden State? Their team's also so, 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 so expensive. I mean, I I, I hate when play, fans and, and people just make up trade nonsense but Kuminga is one of the people that nonsense has come out about that's like maybe they have to trade him because they need to shed salary to get closer to the second apron but just like the Clippers too these teams are already sniffing the first apron for next year without re-signing any players the Miami Heat are sniffing it next year too if they make the finals maybe they don't care but I mean those teams seem like they're gonna have to find a way to cut a little bit of cost somehow if you're the Pacers in that cost-cutting move is a player that's kind of good or interesting because you can't just cut a little cost. You can't just cut your 13th guy $4 million and and it's all great. You got to cut a lot to get below this in some cases, especially the Clippers and Warriors case. So, you know, that is something to monitor from the trade landscape perspective is how do these teams shed their money? Because there's a lot of ways that this could go in terms of the, the team salaries changing. Uh, in the next couple of months, I'm going to pull up all the teams that are over the tax next season now before even re-signing guys. But there's a lot more 
to this than I've already said. Those three teams are the teams that are at over $170 million committed next year, right now, without even re-signing any of their own free agents. The Hawks are almost at $170 million. They haven't even thought about re-signing their guys. The Nuggets and the Heat, whatever. They're both in the top five of salaries. That makes sense. The Suns, how are they going to figure it out? And they've got to build a team. The Knicks, the Sixers. That's a really interesting one to me because Harden is not included in their already over-the-tax number. How are they going to shed salary again? It seems like Tobias Harris is the answer, but how's that going to work out for them? The Celtics are already at that tax line. That's nine teams out of 30 that are at next season's tax, which means adding 7 million hits in the first apron, adding 17 million hits in the second apron, and does not include re-signing any of their own players who may or may not become free agents. Oh, by the way, all of those teams are good and would like to be better, Next season, the Warriors lost in the second round. The Clippers lost in the first round. The Hawks lost in the first round. The Suns lost in the second round. The Knicks lost in the second round. The Sixers lost in the second round. Of those nine teams, six of them are not happy. (laughs) They didn't even make the final four teams. So, again, all this to say, trades are coming. And in this case, they kind of have to be. These teams will have to get their finances in order in a way that makes sense for them. But if you're the Pacers and you're way under the cap, can you get good players for cheaper? Is that something you can swoop in on? It's not just Pacers-specific. Any team below the salary cap could do this, but there's going to have to be some balancing of finances from those teams and teams under the cap because the NBA also has rules now that, hey, you should probably hit the salary floor before the season starts, and there's a couple teams that are under that part of this as well, the Pacers being one of them. So maybe it's not exactly coming this offseason. It could bleed into the season. It could bleed in to next season, but trades will be coming as teams try to figure out how they're going to manage these aprons. Golden State, Los Angeles Clippers, they they have so much money that they might just not even be able to avoid it. It might just be impossible. They might just deal with it for a year, but at some point, they're going to have to figure it out, right? If the Heat or Nuggets win the championship, whatever, they'll figure it out later. But Atlanta, Phoenix, maybe, we'll see. New York, Philly, especially Philly, Boston, how are they going to figure out how they build their team around these restrictive rules. Well, they got to shed a little bit of money somehow. Who is that player going to be? Who is the talent going to be that those teams have to sacrifice to give themselves the best chance at a championship without dinging themselves too much, but still getting themselves in a situation where they can make more moves to improve themselves if they need to, right? That's all these things playing together. And there's other teams that could be in theory in the mix. The Pelicans are only six mil shy of the tax. The Bucks are only seven mil shy of the tax. And that does not even include Chris Middleton. You could go on and on. The Wizards are only 15 million under the tax. They don't have Porzingis or Kuzma. I could go on and on. You get what I'm saying though. I hope there's a lot at play in the free agency and trade landscape this summer and beyond that's going to lead to unusual activity. New rules, a lot of teams falling short and a lot of expensive teams falling short all at the same time combined with a free agency class that's not going to lead to a lot of player movement via just guys signing elsewhere means it's going to be a fascinating summer full of trades to me not like so many that it's like weird but more than normal and i think next as it trickles into next season i think we'll look back and go wow look at what all these teams were 14 months ago It's crazy that the core is similar, but all the pieces on the peripheries of all these franchises are totally different because 
The rules make it the case. The landscape of the NBA makes it the case. And if you're a team like the Pacers, who's below the cap but looking to get better, there's going to be a lot of opportunities, I think, to either acquire assets or acquire decent talent at a cost that maybe will seem low at first, but is going to look like how the league is changing when it happens. And oh, by the way, the Pacers have five draft picks to also fit into this mix. If you want to hear more about those players, Asar and Amen Thompson talked about them last week. Cam Whitmore episode was on Tuesday. Grady Dick episode is going to come out on Friday of this week. So lots of draft content coming for the Pacers in their seventh pick. I promise I'll be mixing in some non-top 10 guys. I want to get the obvious top 10 done while also getting some later round guys that I like in there as well. And then also uh, in June, we'll do free agency previews by position for the Pacers as well. Some talk about the playoffs, other various team building things that are a crucial part of this Pacers summer. There's a lot. I have a lot of things I want to cover with this team, and there's only about three weeks before the draft. So we'll get to all of it, of course, here on the Locked On Pacers podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. You can find Locked On Pacers on YouTube or any audio platform. This is a podcast after all. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tony R. East and this podcast at Locked On Pacers. Thank you guys a ton for listening. Hope you had a fantastic day. We'll see you tomorrow.